Is Kyle Rittenhouse guilty of double homicide? And why does the media need to feed off lies to actually survive? I'm Ismael Pai Civico, and this is The Civic Podcast. Hello again, everyone. So as you can see today, I will be speaking about the Cal Rittenhouse trial and making a few parallels with what happened with, well, uh, George Floyd at the time and how he also died regarding a police encounter in his case. And in this case, it's Cal Rittenhouse that is being tried for uh, double homicide, so double murder of two rioters and looters that were in the Kenosha riot and on the 25th of August of last year, 25th of August of 2020. So I want to go through that a little bit and uh, speak about all the big lies that the media has been telling. Because again, media needs to feed off lies. They need to feed off controversy. They need to feed off interaction of their posts. Cable news channels are essentially dying. And the only way that can actually get money is through online interactions and getting data and all of all of that. So of course, it is in their interest to get the most controversial trials or at least try to portray them as such and getting the people that are being convicted as very, very bad people that need to be in prison. And the issue with this is that I'm afraid we're actually meddling with due process. So we're meddling with facts, we're meddling with the truth, we're meddling with the objectivity that should have uh, popular jury in criminal cases and of course the judge and the prosecution as a matter of fact and everyone that watches it so this happened exactly the same with um, with George Floyd to be a bit of context with George Floyd what happened is that he died um, after an encounter with the police and the person that killed him in some in some way if we can use that word was Derek Chauvin by uh, let's say kneeling on his neck for nine minutes and 29 seconds in total so what, what essentially what the trial tried to do was to prove that the cause of death was indeed Derek Chauvin kneeling on his neck but that was n never actually 100% proved because all the witnesses that actually went to that trial a witness of the prosecution of course is going to bring is brought a, a doctor that said that the main cause of death was indeed kneeling on his neck and witness of the defense brought various other witnesses, uh, police officers that are actually experts in, let's say, um, restraining criminals and also doctors that try to get a bit the forensics in order and say what was the exact cause of death. Because when when George Floyd died, we didn't get all the facts straight exactly with this Carl Rittenhouse trail that when the three people died, well, two people, sorry, third one got injured in, uh, in the arm, we didn't get the facts straight from the beginning. Put you a bit into context, what happened with George Floyd is that we never got the actual full footage until eight months later. So if you can remember what happened with George Floyd, the initial footage that was going around social media was the eight minute, nine minute long uh, video of Derek Chauvin kneeling on George Floyd's neck. And that was the main footage that was used essentially to get to people's emotions and show how the police is systemically racist and how they're targeting black people and how black people are being chased um, and killed by police in cold blood, which this of course is false, utterly false, by every single metric there is, whether it's in the United States or any other um, Western democratic country, if I, if, if I may use those words. Um, this, it's all in the data. 
I mean, again, for I've spoken about systemic racism and policing uh, quite a bit and how defund the police and abolish the police, two movements that essentially started to get really, really popular after uh, George Floyd died were really bad movements. And if you really want to help minorities and help black people in disadvantaged situations in the United States, the last thing you want to do is to abolish the police. Trust me, that's, that's, that's the worst idea you can, you can have if you want to help people in difficult neighborhoods. Right. First of all, because then crime would just spike, like has, like has been happening in so many democratically run, dem well, I mean by democratically run, I mean by the Democratic Party in the United States um, right now. I mean, just look what happened in, in Los Angeles, in Portland, in San Francisco. They're going mad. What's happening in those cities, it has never been seen before. Those cities are on a free fall towards mayhem. Uh, because of these exact policies and these exact narratives that have been pushed. So there are actual consequences to these kind of leftist movements, which is one of them, defund the police and abolish the police by having people believe that the police are, are there to kill you, or at least people um, of colour, which again is utterly false. Data is there. Go look on the Department of Justice, everything crimes, arrests and police shootings towards people uh, of colour. Do you go make those calculations. I always say, you don't have to believe me, do your research. It's all on the internet. If you can listen to this podcast, you can also go on Google. You can also Google what you want to know, and you can go and look on the official websites of the actual governments and the Department of Justice, in this case, of the United States. And again, it's a bit love-hate relationship that I have with the US when it comes to data, because they actually do record everything based on race and age and gender and so on which again, I don't really like it being that way because they're pre pretty much profiling people based on their skin color. Um, and in Europe, you don't have that. So we can't have the same kind, we can't, we don't have the same kind of data in Europe. Uh, you can't see uh, the, the crimes committed by different ethnic groups in, in Europe, which again, it's better in my opinion. Um, but at the same time, when false narratives rise or people start to push them forward, how how it has been happening in Europe since last year too, because everything that happens in the US will eventually come to Europe. And that's why I speak so much about the United States. I think it's very, very important to understand where all of this comes from, where the source of all these movements and ideologies come from and what they're trying to push. Because at some point they will arrive in Europe, whether it's to the capital or Brussels or any other single big city in Europe or to rural areas or every other country. So it's important to get these things straight so people understand exactly what is happening and how it can affect us. Namely, what's happening in Western, um, in Western American, well, on the, on the American West Coast, essentially, and some cities down there that are run by Democrats and that essentially have been pushed by these big, bad, bad, bad ideologies and narratives, mainly pushed by the media. So getting that straight, that actually happened. And then coming back to, uh, to George Floyd, they had to prove that he actually did die, mainly because of... Derek Chauvin kneeling on his neck, which that wasn't 100% proved. And they also had to prove that he died because of his skin color. So Derek Chauvin killed him because he was black, which again, there's no proof whatsoever that supports that. And that's what the narrative said. The narrative said that George Floyd died because he was black. There's absolutely no proof. The only proof they have is that a black cop killed a black person, uh, sorry, a white cop killed a black person. I don't see that as proof, personally. If, if you think that a white person killing a black person is proof of racism, I, I can't do anything for you. I'm, I'm sorry, that's just not proof of racism, right? Plenty, plenty, plenty of, well, white people get killed by the police too. Most of violent crime homicides are actually committed black on black in, in the United States. Again, all of this, 
all the, uh, all the data is there. So there was actually no proof either that Derek Chauvin was actually part of any far-right extremist movement. So all of that is just, was just nonsense. But they needed to have a conviction. They needed to find the devil. They needed turbulent times to push their own narrative and to defund the police, abolish the police, and say that the whole of the United States is, is systemically racist, which is, again, not true whatsoever, purely based on the data and purely based on what we can see and actually measure and quantify. So that's one thing. Again... Could he get a manslaughter conviction? I believe maybe to that point, yes. Should he no longer be in the police force? Completely so. I believe how he acted was completely unacceptable, despicable kind of way he actually uh, judged that situation right there. And again, um, George Floyd was actually high on fentanyl and methamphetamine. He was a drug addict and he wasn't necessarily an ideal citizen or a, or, or a good citizen in some way. He, has, he was a convicted felon. Um, and those are truths. And I, don't, and I don't understand how they put that criminal on a pedestal, um, him having committed all those kind of atrocities he did commit before he died. I really, I really do not understand how that was the case. And I think they wanted to use the martyr. They wanted to get the person to actually follow, follow that Jesus Christ, follow that Messiah, the person that is going to unravel, uh, that's going to open up to the new truth that the United States is systemically racist and all black people are being oppressed in the United States. Which again, there's no data that actually um, defends that or at least... Um, says it, apart from disparities in outcome, but again, disparities in outcome doesn't mean there's, the, there's a disparity in opportunity. That is something we really, really, really need to be careful with. That's mainly for them, A equals B all the time, which is not necessarily the case. So that's what happened with Derek Chauvin. Again, he should be in prison in my opinion, yes. On murder charges, I don't think so. But again, that's just a really quick uh, regarding what happened with Derek Chauvin and George Floyd. That, again, Gave, uh, gave rise to lots of lots of looting, writing and demonstrations all throughout last summer in the United States and also in Europe. There were also quite a lot of demonstrations for Black Lives Matter in Europe when, again, it had no place here either because it's a completely different story, completely different narrative, completely different issues, and we don't have the same racial issues that the United States might have. So that's why I speak about all these things. Now, with Carl Rittenhouse, essentially what happened uh, when the events took place on the 25th of August of 2020, the media portrayed him as what was a white supremacist that went to Kenosha. He wasn't from Kenosha. He went to Kenosha with an AR-15 to shoot people and kill people. And that was his whole purpose. And that's why he was there. He was a 17-year-old kid, white, male, possibly a heterosexual, I'm not entirely sure. And he was there to kill everyone with an AR-15. Now, when the FARC started to, to come out now throughout the trial, throughout the witnesses, uh, throughout testimonies, we see that it's not true whatsoever. First of all, Cal Rittenhouse did, was, in fact, illegally possessing a gun. He wasn't supposed to have a gun. I completely against gun, well, possession in the US and all around, especially in public spaces. Uh, in private spaces, that's a different conversation. I think people uh, do have the right to own guns in their own private spheres, in their homes, whatever they want, but not in public spaces. You should not be able to carry a gun in a public space, which, again, that's a big issue. Carrot and House crossed straight lines to go to Kenosha. Now, the first idea was that he had no connection whatsoever to Kenosha, which is false. Which is false. Kenosha is his second home. His father's from Kenosha. His father lives in Kenosha. His grandmother lives in Kenosha. His aunt, his family, his cousins live in Kenosha. So what essentially what he did, he drove to Kenosha with the boyfriend uh, of his sister at the time, now ex-boyfriend, and they went there together. And this ex-boyfriend gave him his gun, the AR-15, to go there and to essentially 
quote-unquote, protect the community. Now, do I essentially agree with that? Do I think a 17-year-old should be in that specific place? No, I do not. But those are just the facts of the case. And then we can speak about what actually happened uh, with the altercation and interaction between Cal Rittenhouse and the two people that died and the third one that got injured. Uh, we're going to speak about that now. But anyway, he shouldn't have been there. That's a different kind of story. What happened? He went there throughout the day. He started cleaning off graffitis of the of, of the school that, that got filled of graffitis following the demonstrations. And then he went to speak with local businesses. And then essentially one local business, which was a car wash, uh, he became friends throughout the day with the, with the owner of the car wash. And then essentially him and his friend decided to stay at the car wash and protect the car wash so nobody came and actually lit the car wash on fire. Now, if you remember a bit how CNN covered this story uh, at the time before the actual shooting took place, so out of the demonstrations, there was the reporter in front of the demonstrations in Kenosha and it was pitch black, it was, it was throughout the night and the only, the only thing you could see in, in the back was fires. So businesses on fire, trash cans on fire, it was complete mayhem in the town. And the, and, and the headline was fiery but mostly peaceful protests, right? Which again, they weren't really protests. It was purely routing and looting, right? That is what it was. And arson. They were setting buildings on fire. They were setting local businesses on fire. Local businesses have done nothing to, to you. Nothing. The only thing you're going to do is destroy a family income. People that live off that. I'm completely and unequivocally against any sort of violence when it comes to demonstrations. Demonstrations, manifestations, all of that is completely legal and you should do it when there's a wrong in society. You should do that. That's not the question. But rioting and looting is off the table, especially when you start affecting local businesses. So that's what happened then at that point. So what happened, he was there and then the rioters, so the three people, the two people that died and the third one that got shot, which namely Anthony Hubert Rosef, Joseph uh, Rosenbaum and Gage Paul Grosskreutz were shouting at him and all, and all the other ones actually saying, we're going to kill you, you better run, you better run, we're going to kill you. And until then, he did nothing wrong. What happened, he started to run and get away because he was actually afraid that these three were going to kill him. And this, again, has been asserted and verified in court by the witnesses, and these are the facts, and on videotape. This case is actually a videotape of this case of what happened in this specific trial. It's all recorded by 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 body well by body cams essentially by footage and by fbi aerial footage that's the most interesting part that the fbi aerial footage didn't get out until the trial before we had we essentially didn't see the footage either the only headlines there were is that Carl rittenhouse was there to kill people a white supremacist possibly trump supporter far right nazi whatever you want to call him that he was there to kill people with the with an ar-15 was he supposed to have an AR-15? No, I do not believe so, but he, was, he did have one in his hand anyway. That doesn't mean he was going there directly to kill people. Two completely different things. Um, so essentially what happened, Anthony Huber was chasing him and he grabbed him and tried to, get, and tried to take the gun off him. So while Anthony Huber tried to take the gun off him, Carl Rittenhouse shot him, right? Remember, Carl Rittenhouse was running away from the place, right? He was at the fire, the car was caught fire, he wanted to leave, these three people went after him to essentially what they what he claims or the defense claims to to kill him or to at least hurt him quite badly so anthony huber tried to take the gun and cal rittenhouse shot him second person joseph rosenbaum came with a skateboard hit him twice on the head to uh, to cal rittenhouse and the third time i think at this point cal rittenhouse was on the was on the ground because he fell down trying to run away and Joseph Rosenbaum hit him twice in the head with the skateboard. And before he could hit him a third time, Cal Rittenhouse shot him. And again, Joseph Rosenbaum died because of that shot fired. Okay. 
Third person that came, and this is the most interesting one, because the third person that came was Gage Ball Grosskreutz. And this is the person that actually could testify in court because he's alive. He got shot to his bicep and he survived that shot. So he was in court to testify and he testified for this. So listen what I'm going to say. So when Carl Rittenhouse was on the floor, he tried to run towards the police, by the way. He was running in the direction of the police to get actually, to get protected by the police against these people that try to kill him or try to chase him or beat him down or whatever they were trying to do. You can't really know the intention. You just know they were chasing him with weapons in their hands, namely a skateboard. I used to skate. I can tell you a truck in your head. So a truck is what sustains the, uh, what, what's attached to, to the board and what sustains the wheels. If someone hits you hard enough with a truck, you can die. I mean, for sure. That thing is hard as nails. So anyway, hit him twice before the third time you hit him. Cal Rittenhouse shot him, and then Gage Paul Grosskreutz came. Gage Paul Grosskreutz, what he did while Cal Rittenhouse was on the floor, he drew his gun. So Gage Paul Grosskreutz also had the gun. He was a demonstrator with the gun, right? He had a handgun. He pointed the gun at Cal Rittenhouse at that point. And what Cal Rittenhouse did when he when he had the gun pointed at him, he shot him. And this was testified in court because the question was towards the um, well the, the, the testimony of Gage Paul Grosskreutz, so the alleged victim at this point. Did Cal Rittenhouse shoot before you had your gun pointed at him? He said, no. When did Cal Rittenhouse shoot? When you, when you drew the gun at him. And he said, yes. When I drew the gun, when I was pointing at Cal Rittenhouse, he shot me in the arm. And again, all of this is on footage. You have all the videos. You don't have to believe me. You need to go and see the videos. You need to go and see the testimonies. You need to go and see the witnesses. This is what happened. This is what actually happened, right? So those are the facts. And with these facts, Carl Rittenhouse acted in self-defense. That's the definition of self-defense. Again, there are some countries when when you when, when someone meets you with violence, you need to act at the same level of violence, if you will. So not use over force. If, essentially, if someone comes at you with a, with a with a rock, in some countries you can't go at them with a bazooka, right? But you don't have the same legislation in the U.S. when it comes to self-defense. If someone comes at you, whatever, with intent to kill you, you can essentially defend yourself with whatever you have. And with good legislation in the U.S., that actually allows you to to shoot people again. So that's the that's their legislation. I 100% agree with it. Not really, but that's the law. So because of the law, he was acting in self-defense, and the prosecution has no case. And the new, they had no case from the beginning. And the only thing why it got pushed because of purely ad- ideological reasons that they needed to have a narrative. They needed to have a bad person that was there to kill people, a white supremacist that was there to kill BLM demonstrators or rioters or looters or however you would like to call them. Now, what's interesting even more, again, we spoke about George Floyd before putting, having, well, being on a pedestal. Again, he wasn't a model citizen. I can't believe how people can actually equate George Floyd with people like Martin Luther King, Rosa Parks, Gandhi, or Thomas Sowell, or Barack Obama. Like, people, really good people of color, prominent people, um, Nelson Mandela, as a matter of fact, like people that really did something, heroes of, of in their times for what they were actually tried to do. And they put George Floyd at the same level as them. When George Floyd was a convicted felon, he was a drug addict, and he did nothing heroic at that point. He was just a victim of very bad policing. That's it. That's it. There's no more to it. He was a victim of bad policing. Yes. So these three, that's even more interesting. So not, okay, so, so these three rioters, what they claim to be allies to the cause of BLM, which is interesting too, because again, they want to portray Carl Rittenhouse as a white supremacist, and you would think that white supremacists usually kill people of color. These three people were all white. The three of them were white. Anthony Huber, 
convicted felon of assault, battery, possession, possession of illegal weapons, and domestic abuse. He used to beat his wife. Okay, I don't see the Me Too movement here. A person that used to beat his wife. Ro Joseph Rosenbaum, convicted pedophile, molested and raped five boys aged 9 to 11. Just let that sink in, who they're trying to defend here. Okay? And if you think these people are model citizens, these are the two people that died, by the way. Uh, Anthony Huber, the first one that tried to grab the gun, and Joseph Rosenbaum, the second one that tried to hit him a third time with the skateboard to his head. He already hit him twice before, he tried to hit him a third time, he didn't get that chance, he got shot by Carl Rittenhouse. The third one, Gage, Gage Paul Grosskreutz, so the only alleged victim that could actually testify in court because he survived the shot, was convicted of felony burglary, probation violation, and uh, the carrying of illegal weapons. And I don't know about you guys, but having a criminal record is not something that's easy. I don't understand. I mean, I don't have a criminal record. I don't, if many people actually do have criminal records, and usually the people that have criminal records are criminals. So I don't understand why people want to portray these people as allies actually to the court. If you're a criminal, you're an ally of no one. I, I just do not understand it. It, 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 it does not come. It, it, it does not come through my mind. And again, Carl Rittenhouse to put back. He was there also to give first aid to people that were being affected by the demonstrations. So actually, um, civilians or people working um, in their in their local businesses. Carl Rittenhouse was a volunteer um, of his local uh, fi uh, firefighter department. He was a volunteer at, at his local police department. Um, and he was also a certified, um, how do you call this? Um, life, life, lifeguard. He was a certified lifeguard. Okay. So he had first aid equipment with him. He was there to give first aid to people that got affected by the demonstrations um, and he got attacked again. So the story seems to fit, right? And he did have connections to Kenosha. Kenosha is only half an hour ride from where he initially lives. Kenosha is his second home. His family lives there. He went there to protect what he deems to be his local community. Now, do I agree with his choice at the time? I do not. I don't think a 17-year-old kid should, well, aside from carrying an AR-15, which I certainly don't think anyone should be carrying an, an AR-15 anywhere, as a matter of fact. I don't think those weapons should even be allowed. But as, but that's, that, that's the case. That's what he did. That's what he tried to do. And that's, those are just the facts of the trial. And the facts of the trial are that the two people that died and the third person that got shot in the arm weren't murdered. It's not homicide. This is in self-defense. There's a big difference. There's a big difference in killing someone in cold blood and killing someone in self-defense. You have the right to defend yourself. Again, do I agree the fact he had a gun? No, I do not. Do I agree that people should be able to carry AR-15s? No, I do not. I mean, assault rifles, apparently you can't call them assault rifles, like semi-automatic weapons, whatever you want to call them. No, people should not have those weapons. Full stop. But the fact, the matter of the fact is that this case is a complete joke. This case has, doesn't have a foot to stand on. The prosecution is a complete joke. Um, they have nothing, they absolutely nothing. And they actually should be countersued for malicious prosecution, for sure. And again, all the media that started to push that big narrative at the beginning that Carl Rittenhouse was a white supremacist, that he was there to kill people and all of that, they should be also sued for defamation, for sure. I mean, again, if this trial gets blown out of the water, which it probably will, it's going to be on, it's probably going to be a mistrial if it isn't a mistrial there's for sure a big bias and social media and mainstream media channels had a big role to play like they did with Derek Chauvin uh, in that trial down there because you can't have 
independent trials when everyone meddles with it. When you have the political and well, when you have everyone that's involved in politics, all of civil society and big organizations like Black Lives Matter, big organized organizations actually like Black Lives Matter, um, meddling in these kind of cases, the jury and the jurors cannot stay independent. Because again, the juries are people. When it comes to popular jury in criminal, in, in criminal cases, in criminal trials in the United States, they are everyday people, and they are people that do get affected by social changes, cultural changes, political and economic changes in their own uh, society. And again, it was shown that in the, in the Derek Chauvin trial, for example, um, most of the jurors were actually allies of the Black Lives Matter movement. So again, that's not much of independence there either. And I'm afraid if he ever gets convicted, falsely convicted of homicide is going to be for the same exact reason that the media has pushed a false narrative. Because again, what they what they try, what, what they tried to say at the beginning on Kyle Rittenhouse was completely false, but they keep doubling down on their false claims. Why? Because they can't again say that they were wrong, because they would just lose even more credibility and they're already losing too much credibility at this point. They're in, they're losing too much credibility and the only thing they can do is double down. They say that Carl Rittenhouse should get convicted, and the sooner he gets convicted, the better, the sooner we can all shut up and go to the next case that's going to show up. So the narrative that the United States and the police and all of them are all racist and they all want to kill everyone that is not white um, can get, well, can be the, uh, the overall narrative of their own religion. Religion being wokeism, religion being anti-racism in lots of ways and they need their martyrs and they need their messiahs and they need their devils their devils in this case being white supremacy and in this specific case of Carl Rittenhouse being Carl Rittenhouse himself so those are the facts of the case right and people need to get this straight again he shouldn't have had a gun he should get convicted for illegal possession yes okay I get that I'm all for that but for homicide not at all especially because everything is on camera Everything is on camera and you can see it. You don't have to believe me. You need to go and see what actually happened in that trial. With uh, George Floyd, Derek Chauvin, same thing. We never got the entire footage until eight months later to when um, um, George Floyd died. We only got the footage eight months later. We did, not get the, we did not get the full footage at the beginning. We only got the eight to nine minutes of Derek Chauvin um, kneeling on George Floyd's neck. That's the only video we got at the beginning. We did not get the full footage uh, until eight months later, plus the footage in the shop. When again he was caught with a uh, with a twenty dollar counterfeit, and that's how essentially they had to call the manager and they called the police because he tried to pay with a twenty dollar with a false twenty dollar bill. Uh, and again with George Floyd, his drug dealer was in his car too, and that's why maybe he didn't want to. He resisted arrest at the beginning. Uh, he shouldn't have died. Complete police misconduct. Uh, not a good way to to restrain people. I'm all for that. Hundred percent agree. Issue is that it wasn't a murder because there was no actual proof that he killed him intentionally there was no actual proof they killed him intentionally and there was no actual proof that he killed him because of his skin color that's why there was no discrimination case against him that's there was no racial case against him because they had no proof for that the only proof they had was that he was white they killed a black person and with Carl Rittenhouse the same thing the only proof they have is that he's a young white man with a gun and three people died because two people died because of his actions the third one injured and it really kills me to hold about, to speak about these things. Um, because I don't like what's happening in the United States, whether on the far left or the far right, as a matter of fact. But but the issue is, is that when, when social media 
and politicians try to meddle with the judiciary, trying to meddle with due process and with the truth, with objective truth and with actual facts, that's where it starts getting dodgy. Because we, we get down the slippery slope of lies and when you tell one lie, you can't be stopped. And you need to keep telling another lie and another lie and another lie to assert every single time the previous lies you've been telling. And we can't construct a society when people are just lying, especially with this Carl Rittenhouse case. It's gonna get blown out of the water, and when it does, Carl Rittenhouse is gonna be a really rich man. A very rich man. Because again, he's been maliciously prosecuted, they had no case whatsoever. Even the witnesses of the prosecution have actually asserted what Carl Rittenhouse was saying all along. Even Gage Paul Crosscruz, when they asked him, did Carl Rittenhouse shoot you before you had your gun pointed at him? No. Did he shoot you when you started to point your gun at him? Yes. Right. That, that's it. You don't need to know more. You don't need to know more. That's enough. That's enough. If someone points a gun at you and you have a gun too and you shoot him first, that's self-defense because you don't know if the guy was going to shoot or not. You don't know his intentions. So I just want to keep that clear. I want people to please look for the truth. And the truth, you're not going to find it on social media. You're not going to find it on Instagram. You're not going to find it on Twitter. You're not going to find it on Facebook. The truth, you're going to find it doing your own research, looking at the witnesses, looking at the trial, looking at the facts. And when there's video footage, look at the video footage. But the entirety, the entirety of the video footage needs to be looked at. Because again, everything has a context and everything happens for a reason. And Cal Rittenhouse was there for reasons. Now, do I agree he was there? No, I'm, I'm, I'm really, I'm tired of repeating it. I'm really, I'm tired, but I feel like I need to do it in order to justify why I think that Cal Rittenhouse is innocent of homicide. He did not commit homicide. It's just not true. But every single legal metric or moral metric, as a matter of fact, let alone the legality of the things, the moral metrics of it is that he acted in self-defense. He shouldn't have had a gun. He shouldn't have been there. But then again, the writer shouldn't have been there too. So whose fault is it? I don't know. It's how things, well, developed. And it's what happened. It's a tragedy. Three people died. But the fact that people wanted to convict Carl Rittenhouse are putting Anthony Huber, Joseph Rosenbaum, and Gage Ball Crosscruz on a pedestal saying that they were model citizens. When again, they are three convicted felons, one of them a paedophile, that raped and molested five boys from the age of 9 to 11. Remember that. Paedophilia is one of the most disgusting crimes anyone can commit. Five of them. Five boys. Just think about that. The kind of people they're trying to defend or the kind of people they say they were mother citizens, they were just there demonstrating. No. They were setting buildings on fire. They were rioting. They were getting into fights. Three white men. So again, that doesn't even help with the white supremacist narrative that he was there to kill black people. Anyway, I'm going to leave it there. Very controversial topics, I know. Again, I please ask you, you don't have to believe me what I'm saying. All you need to do is go and do your own research on these, trial, on these trial cases. Because again, I know they are long. They're not easy to understand. You need to read through them. You need to look at the evidence. You essentially need to be a judge. But that's what you need to do all the time when it comes to information. You need to be your own judge. You need to be your own judge on what you think is just, on what you think is fair, and what you think is actually objectively true. And you do that through doing your research, comparing the information, following the money, and every single other factor that comes in um, when you try to think critically or get to the get to the bottom of things. And that's the only thing I can say. I can't ask you to believe me. That would just be hypocritical of me. Why would I have any more credibility than people in media? I agree. I agree. I have none. I don't have much credibility. So you don't believe me. Just go and make your own research and don't believe everything you see. 
nor me. Just don't believe me either. Just go and look at it. I have nothing else to say. I have nothing else to add. Uh, I just wish we stop putting criminals on pedestals and we start looking actually for the truth and stop convicting innocent people if Carl Rittenhouse gets convicted because he is innocent of homicide. He is innocent of homicide. That I believe. He acted in self-defense the three times. Twice when he shot two people that died and the third time when he shot Gage Crosscroats in the arm, in the bicep, more specifically. Well, um, a bit of a heated episode this time, but these are issues that really, really, really get to me because if we really start telling lies in courtrooms, in trials, and media wants to be the judge, we're going down a very, very slippery slope where we're losing due process, we're losing the presumption of innocence, and those are two things that really are two main pillars of Western democracy and the Western judiciary, essentially. That is due process and the presumption of innocence. And again, social media should not meddle until there's a conviction. Until there's a conviction, until people are convicted, then you can say whatever you want about them because a conviction is there. And I believe in the, ju- and I believe in the judicial system. If it's not tampered by, polit- by politicians, by social media, or by big activists and organizational actors, let's say, or big movements like might be BLM. So that's what that's really what we need to say. We, we really need to start dividing that because one of the main pillars of democracy is the division of power. It's a division of power. And the judiciary needs to be independent from the, from the legislative and the executive. It needs to be. If not, why is it democracy? That's all, that's, that's all I want. And I'm, I'm, I'm only speaking for myself. I want the truth. I want democracy. I want the division of power. And we can't get to there unless we say the difficult truths. And this was me saying all those difficult truths that I believe to be true. Now, again, the only thing to do is go on Google, do your research, look online, look at the trial, look at the facts, make make up your own mind. Well, thank you again, everyone, for listening. Feel free to follow us on Instagram at thecivic.space or go us on our website, which is thecivicspace.org. If you want to send us an email, any information, any feedback, uh, anything whatsoever, please feel free to contact us at contact at thecivicspace.org. And again, some some other articles are actually posted on the civicspace.org website too, so feel free to go and check those out. And, well, I wish you all a very, very lovely day. And I'm really looking forward to seeing you next time. I'm Ismail Pai Civico, and this was The Civic Podcast.